We welcome in our guy, the handicapper of the stars, Dave Essler. You want to find his work, go to pregame.com. You can also find him on Twitter at Dave underscore Essler. Good morning, Dave. How are we doing today? I'm good. I'm I'm, uh, anxiously awaiting the start of golf because I have Adam Hadwin 100 to 1 to be the first round leader. So that would be that would be nice. Now, when you when you say first round leader, if he is tied in golf, that counts as being the winner, correct? Well, yes, but you end up splitting it. In other words, if there's two guys tied, it pays fifty to one. That's still not a bet, not a bad payday. So, spe- speaking of betting and what we're looking forward to, I feel like everybody's been looking forward to the Super Bowl now since basically the championship games concluded. Dave, let's just uh, dive right in there. What are some of the first off? What are some advice you would give to you know, maybe some more amateur gamblers when betting on the Super Bowl. Just some basics, you know, bet on the yes, no's, bet on things, you know. Like, what would you give them for advice? Well, I wouldn't bet on the yes, the yes no's. I mean, the, you know, there's two ways to look at it. Are you are you going to let your wife do it so she'll watch the game with you and, you know, maybe she'll bet five or ten bucks on all these, you know, a bazillion props to make it fun or is it to make money? And I think those are two different kinds of bets. I mean, for fun, you know, I, you know, bet the coin toss, go for it. Um, but it's a net losing proposition. Uh, but it's fun. Uh, if you're into making money, you want, uh, you probably want to go into player props and that type of thing. So Dave, it sounds like I'm going to guess that you're the type of guy that's going to want to wager more on the player props and try and make some money. So what are you going to be trying to make some money on when it comes to some of the Super Bowl props uh, for this weekend? Well, a couple I like. Um, one is uh, I like Kadarius Tony over two and a half receptions. Now, is Kadarius Tony um, A.J. Brown? No, but is he one of the best options that, the Giants have right now, yes. So uh, I was able to find him over two and a half receptions. And one I like that's under the radar, uh, Quez Watkins, over 12 and a half receiving yards. And, you know, a lot of people don't like that because I know a lot of a lot of professional guys like him under one and a half catches. But I'm saying they only need one. You know, last year this would have been ridiculous because – he averaged almost 15 yards a catch this year. He's he's down to about 11, but, you know, he, he's been targeted a lot. He's been targeted, I think, four or more times in about eight of the last nine games. And the, 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 the one he wasn't was last week when that game played out to where, you know, the Eagles didn't really need to pass at all. So um, Quez Watkins over 12 and a half yards is another one that I am high on. What do you think the the props and the prop market can tell us about the game. Like, are there angles where, uh, whether it's specific props or game totals as a whole, well, like, like in terms of how this game could or might play out, are, are there any big takeaways you have from the market as a whole? Um, no, and uh, I'll tell you one of the reasons why is, uh, the, speaking of the market, I mean, this is the biggest day, you know, game of the year. Um, Football is the biggest sport of the year. So this is, the game that will have the most money bet on it by far. Uh, there is no close second. So having said that, there's a lot of money in the market. So you find the market is very liquid. So uh, you really can't discern much this late in the betting cycle 
as to, you know, where the sharp money is, where the pros might be. Um, so you actually have to do the work. Um, and, you know, it just, it, you know, it's hard. And, you know, remember, it's only one game. You don't have to have the most money you ever bet on it on it. Um, but I'm saying collectively, when you got all the women playing the props and, you know, even, even, you know, guys that aren't really football fans going to Super Bowl parties, you know, they're going to bet on Gatorade colors or what have you. So, uh, altogether, I, I forget what the number is, but, you know, it's in the billions. Yeah, I think I saw that there was a survey saying that they believed up to $16 billion would be wagered on this Super Bowl game. Yeah, and I mean, I'd say probably 60% of that is legal. <laughs> so one angle I really like, uh, take away the specific numbers, is the, the Super Bowl MVP futures. And I... I was able to get in on a couple guys before the NFC title game, actually. Part of that was I, I thought the Eagles would win and obviously wanted them to. But I, if you look past the quarterback position, I like a guy like Hassan Reddick, someone who has the ability to be a game wrecker and put up the flashy numbers if it's a sack or a forced fumble or turnovers. Are there any, aside from the quarterbacks, uh, MVP guys that you would like or you would put money on? Um, you know, let me just look at that and see who's the, uh, see who's, I, I know that Mahomes and Hertz are both uh, around plus 120 or, or plus 125. Yeah. And I think Kelsey is kind of the, the secondary favorite for non quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, all the guys that you would think are going to be, uh, doing well, they're going to have, uh, a lot of money bet on them and, and, you know, if I were going to do that because, you know, I mean, I, like I wish I had the, the playbook. I mean, you know, a guy like, you know, I mean, Dallas Goddard at 55 to 1, you know, if, if Spagnolo takes out, um, or takes out, you're not going to take out A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, but if he limits them, then, you know, that is big for either the Quez Watkins prop or a guy like Dallas Goddard. Um, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I mean, you know, if it turns into a running game and either quarterback has a big day, you know, who's to say he isn't going to have, you know, six catches for 130 yards and a touchdown? Very possible. So, you know, it's it's hard. I mean, the guys that you would think would be are probably not worth the money. And, again, that's voted on. So unless it's clear-cut, it's somewhat subjective. Now, Dave, you said something interesting there. And you talked about what if both teams run the football and run the football successfully. One of the one of the props that I looked at and actually bet earlier this week, I actually found the Kansas City Chiefs to have the most rushing yards in this game at plus two forty. What are your thoughts on that? I feel like that's kind of against the grain. Most people would say, well, the Eagles are a better running team. They have the better offensive line. They have the more mobile quarterback at this point. Obviously, a lot of the factors would say the Eagles would be favorites, but clearly, if they're go- the Kansas City Chiefs are going to get to this Eagles team, their probably best bet is to run the football, weirdly enough. Yeah, and I think they're going to want to because, you know, Mahomes is not 100%. But, um, you know, if you don't know how the game is going to play out, I mean, if if Kansas City gets a lead and they, they you know, kind of slow it down a little bit. They, they want to run the ball. And, you know, I think that the whole key to that is 
whether Spagnuolo is going to let Jalen Hurts run for 50 yards. If that happens, that's why it's plus 240. If they can limit, you know, Hurts's, uh, you know, scrambles or uh, called option plays, then they have a chance. But that's why it's plus 240. Dave Essler joining us, our handicapper of the stars. You can follow him on Twitter at Dave underscore Essler. You can also find some of his work at pregame.com. So, Dave, what are some of the things that you're also looking at maybe tonight or over the weekend? Well, you know, college basketball Fridays are usually either easy or I pass because, you know, a lot of the teams that you're familiar with don't play on Friday nights. You know, Saturday's the big day. Um, there's a couple tonight, but normally that makes it a little bit easier because I just don't have time to dive into the Ivy League or the Ohio Valley Conference right now. I mean, I would on a Saturday, but the other thing that does for me is it gives me a good chance to start on on Saturday early um, before the lines come out to try to get the best numbers because, as you know, Saturday is about 130 games. So it's it's uh, it's good. Normally on a Friday afternoon, it'd be time to just take off and play golf because it's that. You have that much no, time, but I take it there's happen. no golf this afternoon. No, um, I played yesterday, and I think I I think I need to work. I was going to say I hope it's not too cold down there because we just got it felt like a foot of snow in about ten hours yesterday. I am sorry to hear that. Um, temperature, I don't know what it is. It's probably probably seventy five. Well, speaking of hot, you did text me yesterday and said, I do like your Bucks tonight, and the Bucks did cover by half a point. Looking at the NBA tonight, I know there is some games out there. Do you have anything you like in the NBA today? Yeah, I have things I'm looking at. I haven't bet them yet. I mean, uh, most, uh, a lot of the NBA lines come out in the morning after the first injury report because most oftentimes when uh, a line moves any significant amount, um, it's due to player uh, participation. You know, a guy goes from, from not on the injury list to questionable. Then at noon they put him on doubtful. Then the line just goes all over the place. So you, you really have to stay on top of that. Um, I let the market tell me what I, I might look at, especially early in the morning. You know, in, in uh, Minnesota at Memphis, um, you, you know, Memphis is minus six and a half, minus seven now. They, they open like minus seven and a half to minus nine. So that would kind of tell me that maybe John Morant is probably not playing. I'm not sure what I would do in that case. Oftentimes, people will overreact to that news, and the, the whoever would have won wins anyway. And, and the market's saying Indiana like that over Phoenix, but I'm not sure I agree with that. That's a knee-jerk reaction to Phoenix having played last night. Um, so I'm not going to blindly follow that one, but I'm going to pay close attention to that and probably – you know, take Indiana or pass. So as a professional handicapper, you got to, when it comes to the NBA, you have to just rip your hair out and you can't stand load management. And and that seems to be more and more popular in recent years in the NBA, probably making it a lot harder to handicap the NBA. Yeah. You have to be a lot more patient. You know, you can't say at the beginning of the day, well, I'm going to bet four games. Well, you know, those, those, you know, Lines move an awful lot, and, you know, oftentimes it doesn't matter because, as I said, a lot of times it's an overreaction, but you're still wanting to get the best number. That'll that'll keep you profitable in the long run. And, you know, oftentimes it comes even down to 20 minutes before uh, supposed tip-off, 
somebody's just scratched for, you know, no explanation whatsoever. So, yeah, that could, it can be maddening. I mean, I don't let it madden me because I know most of those variables and I'm able to just kind of say, oh, well. But, yeah, definitely um, something you have to be super patient with. Speaking of the NBA, the deadline uh, happened yesterday and a lot of movement, a lot of craziness. Is there anything you've been eyeing or any big takeaways you have in terms of the futures market there or teams that you now like more or teams that you now hate a lot more? Well, that's a lot of questions. Um, the futures market, I don't play now because, um, you know, I guess for fun money I would, but more often than not, you know, a team I could get at, you know, 30 to one now, I probably could have got it a hundred to one a week ago. So, you know, that just kind of goes against the grain of my conventional wisdom. And, and in terms of handicapping teams, um, what I tend to do is not uh, play many games where there's been a an addition or a subtraction because, okay, well, you say so-and-so, you know, um, the, the Bucks picked up, um, uh, I forget who they picked up. Jay Crowder. I, I, there you go, Jay Crowder. So, okay, well, they're going to be, you know, world beaters now, and, and Jay Crowder's going to play his defense and, and the games will stay under. But, you know, if he's going to play how many minutes, 20, 25, 30, I mean, that's going to screw up their rotation, I think, at least what they're used to doing. So somebody's going to lose minutes and, and the, just the ball rotation on the court is going to change. So I tend to stay away from them because, again, people will overreact to sort of name players, I guess, if you will, changing teams. So before I let you go, Dave, any other things that you're wagering on this weekend that you'd want to give out to the listeners, whether that be golf, NBA, college basketball, whatever it is? You know, um, I might go out on a limb here and, uh, Purdue is playing Northwestern tomorrow and at Northwestern. Now, I know that would be somewhat ludicrous to take a team like Purdue that's 12-2 and in the conference, but they are uh, going to win the conference regular season, no doubt about it. So, you know, you've got to wonder if they're going to back off a little bit. I mean, Northwestern's no pushover, and they're only going to come out favored by three-and-a-half, four, maybe four-and-a-half, so... That should tell you something right away because I think that the knee-jerk reaction to most people would be eight or ten. So I'm I'm actually looking at Northwestern to keep that game close. So there it is, a Northwestern for Saturday Big Ten basketball. Dave, want to thank you for doing the extra segment, giving us a little bit of the you know Super Bowl props that you liked, some college basketball, NBA. We appreciate the two segments for Big Super Bowl week. Uh, my pleasure. Anytime you guys need me, you know where to find me. Hope you guys have a have a have a warm weekend. Thanks, Dave. We'll do our best, and uh, next week, Dave Ebel will be back from uh, Mexico, and I'm sure he'll be a little bit more tan. Uh, I speak a little Spanish. Maybe we should do that. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll talk to you next week, Dave. All right. Thanks, guys. And there he is, Dave Essler, handicapper of the stars. Follow him on Twitter at Dave underscore Essler or. You can find his work at pregame.com. One thing we haven't touched, but Twitter was going crazy about it, was comments about Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. Now, we've talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers and 
will he or won't he play? We've talked a lot about some of the things that Aaron Rodgers have said on the Pat McAfee show or the the darkness retreat that he plans on taking. But one thing we really haven't gotten into a ton is actually how the other players feel about Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. Like, obviously, they always talk highly of, of 12 or Aaron Rodgers or whatever they like to refer to him as. But yeah, normally you don't hear a lot of guys come out and publicly talk about Jordan Love. It's it's always about Aaron Rodgers and will he play and, you know, I hope he plays and blah, 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 blah. But one thing is is that Jordan Love isn't talked about a ton. Well, we got some of those Jordan Love uh, comments from some of his teammates, and I thought it was actually quite interesting on what Aaron Jones and some other guys had to say. Do you have the the clips? I do have the clips ready. This is Aaron Jones on Undisputed with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. Jordan Love ready to step in and take that step and lead the Packers to where they need to be? Yes, sir. Jordan Love is ready. Jordan Love will be that guy. Uh, made a huge jump this year. Uh, we've seen like- it. Uh, OTAs, we could see it. And then it just kept snowballing, 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 and uh, picking it up. And uh, you can tell he's, he, he wants to play. He's itching to play. And uh, when, it, when his turn comes, he's going he's to be ready. He's I think he's going to be that guy. What's he got? Now, you can't see it, but in the video, when Aaron Jones is talking to Shannon Sharp and he says he's going to be ready, there's a look on his face like excitement, like this guy's the real deal. Like he he looks genuinely honest saying this guy's good. So uh, it's interesting, the comment about the OTAs, because Mike Clemens has said, and obviously Mike has been to, he's been at every practice for the last 20, however many years. He said that when, before Rogers showed up, obviously it was love running the show. And he said that as soon as Rogers showed up, you could still see the difference in the ball and just the pure delivery of the football between the two with Rogers, obviously being one of the greatest to do it. Uh, So the OTA comments, interesting, but, we did kind of see that manifest on the field when he did come in uh, against the Eagles and had somewhat extended run in a game that was not over. It, it wasn't uh, like the Packers were down two scores, but there was still time left in the game. I, I truly think that if you go to that locker room, a lot of the younger guys that definitely get, like relate to love more because they're the same age, they, they're probably ready for love because they could see what he's doing, and they know that he could also be the guy. Um, I, it's out of all of their control, but I will say, as I've noted this week and previously, the Packers are in a fine spot where if Rodgers comes back, okay, you get another year, you see if it can work. If he gets traded, they already have the succession plan or a chance to see what the succession plan is on the roster. And then uh, they have a year to figure that out and move forward. They don't need to go roll the dice. The The camaraderie and the chemistry is already there in the building. Uh, and, and then you see what it is, what it's like next year. I, I think the big question is not whether Love can play. Like, like, I'm sure he could play. But it's whether when it gets to the game and it's game speed and you're processing fast, is can he go out? and do it there consistently when defensive coordinators start to scheme against what he does well. Cause that's the big, that's the variable, right? And uh, it's what year three now for him. Like w- I hate to bring this up, but like we've seen Jalen hurts. He, they were in the same draft class hurts at one year. 
and then was the starter his second. Now this is his third. But we saw a huge jump from year two to year three just with experience. So even though Love didn't look great in the preseason in the past or didn't look great in the regular season a couple years ago, it's it's legit that a big jump could have been made, but we won't really know unless he starts. Now here are the rest of the comments between Aaron Jones on the Undisputed with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. Describe him to somebody who wouldn't know him. Uh, Jordan, very smart. Uh, he's gonna he, he he listens. He wants to he wants to be successful. Um, he's gonna put everybody in the right positions. Uh, he's going if somebody right here, check check check. Hold on and get get everybody right. Um, and it's it's just been so cool to see his growth, the development, um, him gain that confidence, and it showed. And I think even when he went in in Philly, he he played well. Yeah. The games he went in, he played well. And he showed, hey, I, I can I can play at this level and I can do it at a high level. How does his arm strength compare to Aaron's? Oh, he he got he got yeah. some arm strength. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I say it's right up there. I don't know uh, if you could top me yeah. right. He's like one of the best to do it. But uh, it's it's right up there. And um, some of the balls we, we, that we see him in throwing practice, like oh. Yeah, you, you you definitely getting that confidence. You can definitely see you're letting loose and just going out there and playing. And his escapability would be what to you? Uh, he he can he can move. He, he can, can move. move. Um, he he's definitely athletic. Uh, you know, people you don't see him run as much, but when when something breaks down or he has to, he can go get it. And uh, I think that's one thing that people kind of sleep on or will sleep on that'll uh, that'll help him in his game. So it sounds like you think you're going to be just fine if that's what happens. Yes, sir. I, I mean, I feel like we'll be just fine. Uh, I got I got a lot of trust in Jordan. Uh, been working with him, you know, OTAs uh, past three years. And uh, so I get another one coming up this year to work with him and uh, just continue to help him grow. And uh, we grow together. So uh, something interesting that has come out of Super Bowl week, actually, with Mike and Bill out there is uh, Bill spoke with Charles Woodson a couple nights ago, and we aired it on the show. And obviously they draw the parallel between when Rodgers took over. And Bill asked, like, how how would you know if love is it? And Charles Woodson said, go ask Jair Alexander. Don't necessarily ask the guys that are playing with him on the offense. Go ask the the corners. Go ask the guys that are playing against him on defense. and Because he plays against them every day on scout team. And, And whether... Whether he passes the eye test, whether he does enough there to to make them think he's the guy. So uh, it's very encouraging, I think, to hear Aaron One of Jones. my big takeaways, because this was like the perfect storm for us on the zone where you had COVID, where there was really no other sports going on. So when that draft of 2020 came up, Ebo and I just dove heavily into the NFL draft, Ben, and... I was getting in the thick of things of like scouting reports and players, you know, coming up with guys that I liked at every position for the Green Bay Packers. And weirdly enough, in that draft, I actually, after going through a lot of the stuff, I had Jordan Love as the second best quarterback in in terms of ceilings in that draft. Love the arm, love the athleticism, wasn't accurate, made some, you know, questionable decisions with the football, but the ceiling was there. The one thing that he had going against him so far in his career was not having the training camp, not having the rookie mini camp, not having a normal OTAs, not having, you know, uh, 
the preseason his first year. Then ever since then, it's been a limited preseason. I know year two, he got injured in preseason where he kind of got banged up where they were limiting his snaps and, and number of games that he played. So he's had a lot of things go against him. I think you can clearly say, though, from the the clip it or the snippets of clips that we saw in 2020 where he wasn't suiting up and he was in the track suit and some of the throws that he was making to what he did this year when getting in against the Eagles, even if, and I agree, they were playing soft, they were playing off, he, the throws, the timing, everything looks a lot better. But my biggest takeaway is when I'm trying to give my best analysis and best guess on what the Packers should do, I always say if the organization thinks Jordan Love is a top 15 quarterback, it's time to move on because it makes sense uh, financially and uh, you know salary cap wise and where Aaron Rodgers is at. And I think Aaron Rodgers is great. I think he's a top 10 quarterback of all time. It just makes sense if they believe that. Now, us as fans, we haven't really got to see much of Jordan Love because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. And at that same time, Love hasn't played that much, whether it be things not in his control or the fact that when he has played, it hasn't necessarily looked great. Now, it looks like it has progressed, but we haven't seen much of it. But the one thing that I really took away from this clip with Aaron Jones is he looks genuinely happy for Jordan Love, and he looks almost giddy like this guy can play. Like his facial expressions, he clearly thinks Jordan Love can play and Jordan Love is ready. And I'm glad you brought up actually the the Charles Woodson comments from with Bill and, and Mike in, at the Super Bowl. Ask a defender, right? They're the guys that, that are actually trying to play defense. Well, I remembered when I saw this clip that there was another clip from earlier this year where Devondre Campbell did his, you know, he had like a little show during the week up in Green Bay. And I, I remember there was a specific clip from Devondre Campbell, obviously a, a linebacker that would be playing against Jordan Love every day. And this is the clip from the show over three months ago of Devondre Campbell and Dalian uh, Levitt, another backup safety, talking about Jordan Love. So here's this clip. Interesting stuff. Uh, one more thing I wanted to ask you about this too. You and Jordan Love, your careers kind of overlapped, right, at Utah State, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I think, was he there two years for you? or Yeah, his redshirt year and then his redshirt freshman year. Okay, and year. I know he played, uh, I think he started six games your senior year, if mm-hmm. I, if I, and then maybe yeah. appeared in all 12. But I don't know, give, give us a little uh, insight to this guy. We, we obviously know he's potentially the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers at some point, but where has he grown the most maybe? What are some of the things that uh, you think that he can uh, excel at at the NFL level? Yeah, um, I was a big fan of Jordan, uh, like young Jordan. We, we were uh, we were struggling a little bit on offense early uh, my senior year, and I was begging the head coach to play him. He finally got an opportunity and put like 50 on UNLV the first time. <laughs> he got like his true first start. So, um, I mean, I think Jordan's a a great player. I think he's a great teammate. Um, you know, I'm not in the offensive meetings, but I can't see the way that the ball comes out of his hands. I can't see the way that he's decisive um, playing against our defense. I mean, we, I don't know about y'all, but I think we got a pretty good defense, and he does a really good job for us in practice, gives us a real look, and um, it's pretty impressive. He's done some, some pretty impressive things. He's a starting quarterback. Okay, yes. there we go. Yeah. No yeah. question. He's better than a lot of quarterbacks in this. A lot of starting quarterbacks. Wow. There we go. That's good stuff there. How about that? Yeah. Interesting. Good stuff. 
Well, I'll tell you what. Well, let's take a little bit of a uh, – let's take another – And there you go. That was Devondre Campbell, obviously the starting inside linebacker for the Green Bay Packers the last couple of years, and Dalian Levitt, a backup safety that played with Jordan Love at Utah State. So – not only are you getting praise from the offensive side of the football and Aaron Jones, you're obviously getting praise from the defensive side of the football and Devondre Campbell and, and Dalian Levitt. So, I mean, I'm excited by this. Like, if, if we want to look honestly, there are a lot of starting quarterbacks in the league that stink. But, but I think his message was more he is good enough to be a legit starter. Um, and keep in mind, when they're in practice, it's not as if it's the number one offense against the number two defense where say the defense is trying to replicate what the group will be facing while the offense practices and the defense might even know the plays there. No, this is the number two offense trying to act like the offense, the team will face where if the Packers are facing the Ravens, Jordan love is Lamar Jackson in practice, which means they're running some of the plays the Ravens run. So the Packers can practice how to stop it. So it's not as like he's also running stuff that's, you know, kind of out there. It's obviously it hasn't been his team. But as I've said, I I would trade Aaron and I would use next year to see what love is. And yeah, the more the days go by, the more I talk myself into him being quite good. Let's go to the phone. 608-321-1670. Line four. Who do I got? This is Todd from Mount Horeb. Hey, Todd. How we doing today? What's up, Todd? You guys are hilarious. Language, buddy. (laughs) Huh? Um, well, here's the here's the difference, though. There are there are political answers that you can give to questions, and I, th- these have been my thoughts since the season has ended. This I, they're not changed by what players say, but you could give a political answer. Like if you're Aaron Jones, you could say, yeah, yeah, you know, he, he's been good and all this, but no, going on and on about that. it, they're not going to do that. They're all gonna- right. They're going to brag him up as much as they can, whether he's whether it's real or not. And it's not like the Packers' defense was good this year. Oh, they're they're playing against well. How many times did the Packers' defense get burned this year by average quarterbacks? I mean, he could be good, but nobody's coming out and volunteering anything good about him. It's always when they're specifically asked. So. I mean, he might be good someday. Well, the only time they're in the public setting is when they're being specifically asked these questions. Well, I mean, it was coming out of Green Bay when Rodgers was there from players um, that and management without being volunteered. You'd hear these little things about all the players. They see these throws that Aaron Rodgers makes and how special he is. Back in the day, I don't hear that with... Well, um, I mean, if Jordan Love isn't Aaron Rodgers, he could still be a great quarterback. Like, there's a difference between probably the most gifted thrower of the football of all time and someone who can be really good. We'll be lucky if he's average, um, I hope. Um, I I think he's above... Look at average. You could go across the league and find a bunch of quarterbacks that are average. I, I can almost guarantee Love will be as good as them, if not better. Like, average in the league isn't that good. Average. He's about average, maybe a little above. We're not. He's. It's going to take more around him to to be successful, and maybe with a uh, lower um, salary cap hit, maybe they can do that. I don't know. Now Todd called in, and you know he thought we were funny, saying you know obviously these guys when asked about a teammate are going to talk about him in a you know a higher light, right? You're not just going to come out in public on a on a very 
very public show that gets, you know, bigger ratings like an undisputed and come out and say, yeah, Jordan Love sucks. Yeah, like well, he can't play. Like obviously they're not going to say that, but I will see. Did uh, you see what JJ Watt said about Kyler Murray this week or how he dodged the question? Like they were asking JJ Watt, who was on the Cardinals, who had recently retired about Kyler Murray, and he gave the most hilarious avoiding answer ever because he didn't want to say anything because what he really thinks is something probably very negative, given what we've heard from the Cardinals organization. Players can dodge those questions. Well, that's a hundred percent, but no one really. Hardly anybody comes out and actually trashes a guy if they really believe that just because of, you know, being teammates of the situation. But I will say the one difference that I've noticed with some of these guys lately when they're talking about love is that they're either a genuinely happy for Jordan Love getting better or genuinely believe or are excited that Jordan Love is actually good. And if you look at if you look at the Jordan Love profile from the draft back in 2020, Jordan Love was supposed to be an athletic quarterback, be able to to move in the pocket. He also was supposed to have a huge arm. Now some of his knocks were accuracy, some of his knocks were, you know, questionable decision maker with the football trying to force it in, but then you can go back and say, well, he was actually a really really good uh, decision maker his junior year when he played with a couple other guys that were of NFL talent. And then his senior year where Gary Anderson came in, he wasn't playing with much talent and he kind of had to play hero ball, maybe made some sketchier decisions that he probably wouldn't have made in the past. And the numbers looked worse. So, I mean, there's some give and take here. The biggest thing for me is I think if you look at it, if you purely are trying to put the best player on the field, there's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind if you're purely putting the best player on the field next season, Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. I don't think that I don't think that's disputed at all. Ben, would you say that next season, year one of Jordan Love starting or Aaron Rodgers' sixteenth year starting and he comes back healthy? Who is purely the better player? Probably Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers. There's no doubt about that. But obviously, this isn't black and white. There's a lot of gray area here because you're talking about contracts. You're talking about salary cap space. You're talking about how many more years will Aaron Rodgers play. Like at this point, Aaron Rodgers is on a year-to-year basis. Jordan Love could play for 10, 15 more years, especially with how quarterbacks have been trending since they changed the rules and Tom Brady playing into his you know mid-40s. So there's there's a lot of different variables to take into account here with making this move. I personally, I personally think that that Aaron Rodgers can play at an extremely high level for probably two or three more seasons. That's if if I was in a perfect world where I created a Madden team and I had to try and assemble a roster, I would probably want to be married to Aaron Rodgers for two to three more seasons at, at a big contract. That's that's probably where I would be at. Because then you restart the game after he retires because you know the team is going to be screwed. But if you go down that path, the one big question mark with Aaron Rodgers is, you know, he's got to go to his, his darkness retreat, which, fine, whatever. I, who really cares, honestly? But he's got to do his darkness retreat to figure out if he wants to play again. And if the guy pulls the plug any year before he actually plays out that contract, the Green Bay Packers are even in a worse situation than they already are salary cap wise 
because you're paying a lot of guaranteed money to a guy that just walked away and the guaranteed money, once that contract was signed, it's guaranteed. You could be on the hook for big time money years down the road for a guy that played maybe one more season or maybe he walked away. So if you did make the trade, you only really have to take that big pain, baneful salary cap hit for one full season. Like you can at least get out of it. Now, Jordan Love is still extremely cheap. 3.9 million next year. Um, if Rogers retires, he forfeits the 60 million guaranteed. Well, some of the money, depending on how he does it, some of the money he still would be owed. The, but, but the Packers get the maximum cap relief if he retires compared to trading him. So you have a lot of different question marks. And then if you do commit to Aaron Rodgers, the salary cap situation in which the Green Bay Packers find themselves right now, I do believe they are 17 million over the cap. And obviously the new NFL season starts, I believe it's March 1st in like three weeks. They're going to be anywhere between 30 and 40 million there because obviously some guys that you've already kicked the can down the road on their contracts are going to get bumps in pay. Obviously all of your guys on rookie deals are getting bumps in pay every year. The Packers are in arguably the worst spot as an organization contract wise. And it only gets worse trying to retain said players that are good enough to keep this team relevant in the playoff picture. And you don't have guarantee that Aaron Rodgers will be there to finish out his career. There's so many question marks here. I actually am getting to the point, Ben, where it's like, Hey, you know what? If they make the decision to go with Aaron Rodgers, I'm fine with it. Aaron Rodgers is a top 10 quarterback of all time. Him and Brett Favre are the only two quarterbacks I ever watched. And the green Bay Packers were pretty darn good for the entire 30 years in that span. If they decide to go down with that ship, completely max out the credit cards Let's go for it for the long haul and see if they can win. Do I think they can win a Super Bowl that way? I do. I think these percentages are small. I think this last year, the 2022-23 season that they just played out was probably the last real shot of having a really good percentage of winning a Super Bowl. But I do think with the right situation, not that I want to really quote Aaron Rodgers there, they still can win the Super Bowl in this uh, Aaron Rodgers but, but I think to be competitive with the rest of the roster, maybe not necessarily quarterback, the time to make the move looking at his contract, looking at their salary cap space is probably now, especially if Jordan Love can play. But again, only the players and really the front office know exactly because we just don't get to see much of them. But if the way that they light up talking about Jordan Love, A, again, they either genuinely are happy that he's playing this well or they actually really do think he's good. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, they want to see. I mean, um, what what would I do if I were Brian Gutekinds is I would trade him. I would trade Rodgers. Because it's not necessarily the question of who will be the better quarterback next year. Because uh, Rodgers could be better, but what gives the Packers a better chance to make it back? Well, I think if you follow the the Rodgers-Favre situation with the Rodgers-Love situation, Aaron Rodgers, just blindly off of that, probably is even going to be the better quarterback the next two years. But the only thing is, 
there's no guarantee if he plays for two more years. Like he he's already been waffling back and forth the last couple off seasons. And that's where, like, if I'm the Green Bay Packers, I'm probably more willing because it's the easier decision to stay with Rodgers. It's the easier decision to stay with Rodgers, stay with, you know, this all-time great, to keep your job in the front office because who could fault you for going down with the ship with one of the best quarterbacks of all time, right? Like, but if they do it, you have to make sure that he is in for the long haul of that contract and you have to make sure that you really do go all in. Max those credit cards out. Spend all the money you can. Bring in the best talent you can. Not go all in 75% of the way, which it kind of feels like they did the last couple of years. It's got to be all in with Aaron Rodgers saying, yes, I'm playing out this contract. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. That is that is one. But that's the thing. It's, it's going to be... Like the Packers front office, they can go all in and say, yeah, we're actually going to do it, and they could actually do it. But the one guarantee you'll never get is Aaron Rodgers saying, I'm playing out the rest of this contract that I just signed last year. There's $17 million over the salary cap. So they're already maxed out. They have to they have to cut guys. They have to make the roster worse in order to field a team. And I and I know we talked about this earlier this week. Looking at the the, the cuts that they're going to have to make to get under the cap, and with the, you know, obviously get under enough to sign draft picks and, and other potential players. I really do think this next season, the 2023-24 season, that's probably about the last year that you're going to have enough good guys to really compete. And it's going to take Aaron Rodgers back to an MVP level. It's going to take some of these guys like Devondre Campbell, if he sticks around, or Aaron Jones, if they stick around, to have some of their best seasons. And then they're going to have to draft well. And some of the guys that they drafted the last couple of years are going to have to continue to progress. That's the only way you're going to be in a top probably six to eight teams in the NFL. If not, it's only going to crumble from there. So your your timeline isn't isn't very long. Now, but that's the other thing, Ben. You could easily start to make some of those cuts this year and tell Aaron Rodgers, hey, if you play out the next three years of this contract, we could take the hit this year, unload a lot of these guys, even though they're some of the buddies that you like and you like uh, and you enjoy to play with. But you give us this one season so we can reload for the next two or three seasons and the Packers could actually do that. But Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be willing to do that. I mean, he doesn't have that much time left. The question is, can you? What gives you, again, the better chance to get back to a Super Bowl? And you have to ask whether this team, as currently constructed with the current coaches and defensive coordinator and roster, and maybe some additions. I mean, additions in the draft, but some free agent additions. Whether it's good enough next year or the year after, because after next year, a lot of guys are going to be gone from the team. So it's really a question of is next year the year compare that to say you enter 2023 with uh, Jordan Love as your starter, uh, which I, I think the worst scenario possible is you run it back. It doesn't work. And Love goes because Love's not going to stay through all that. And then maybe he becomes good somewhere else while you enter purgatory trying to find another guy. You could enter next year with Love as the starter. And again, the team isn't spectacular, but I don't think it's bad. Maybe he could bring it to a seven seed in the playoffs like we saw uh, the Eagles do a year ago. And then you build on that. Uh, And through that, you not only learn what the quarterback is, what love is during a full season as the starter, 
You also, I think, learn what Matt LaFleur has and what he is like without Aaron Rodgers there because we haven't seen that. And we don't know what the dynamic would be like with him as the as the head coach without Rodgers there. Obviously, there's the Joe Barry side of it. There are so many questions that you would get direct answers to next season with Love as the starter, which then sets you up going forward into 2024 with more space to add players, a young quarterback that won't be on a rookie deal, but will be making not top of the line money. He's probably going to make 20 mil a year while some of the other guys in his class like Hertz and I think Herbert was in that class and Tua, they're going to be making in the 40s, right? Like if they're that good. So then you have a chance to add. Then you have a chance to build a team. And through that, you look at the NFC, not a lot of great young quarterbacks in it. You could position yourself with some good chances to get back to a Super Bowl. Ben, I'll tell you, this is where I'm at. I... I am at peace with whatever the Green Bay Packers decide to do, but whatever they do, they better be right. Like the the front office better be right about Jordan Love if they go in that direction. But which one do you think is right? That's the question. It's clear that both both scenarios have upside and both also have downside. Now, if you would have asked me this question the week after the Green Bay Packers lost to the Detroit Lions and their season was over, I probably would have said, If I'm in charge, I would go 90% of the time. I would probably have kept Aaron Rodgers and continue to try to max out the credit cards and, and go all in and win. But since then, you know, this just the sports world in general is kind of slowed down. You have less NFL games. It's kind of just basketball. I got to look more at the salary cap in depth kind of some of the triggers of Aaron Rodgers contracts and where they're at some of the guys that they would have to restructure or trade or cut or do what they would do whatever they can with those contracts because it's not a huge group I think right now I think it's 50 50 I think this could go either way but what would you do me personally I would bring Aaron Rodgers in and I would ask him, are you going to play out this contract? Let's say he says yes. And he says yes. Which, by the way, it was a stupid contract to begin with. It was a one-year, $100 million raise. And that's exactly why if he said yes to me and I'm the GM that gave him that contract, like you kind of put yourself in the corner. I, I probably have to go down with the ship and hope that we can get a championship. Now, if he says, oh, you know... I really don't know, and he's waffling again. You know what he's going to say. He hasn't committed to anything in three and a half years. Then I think you pulled the trigger. All right. And I th- I think if you pull the trigger. Breaking news. You got to do it the right way. And when I say the right way, I'm not talking the Milwaukee Brewer way. I'm talking about the right, right way. Like if I go the Jordan Love route, I'm also pulling the plug on a guy like Aaron Jones. You I'm pull also the plug pulling on the, the plug. older. Yeah, I'm pulling the plug on every single one of them, and we're going to win five games. Well, that's yeah. You can't do that because then you can't learn about how good Jordan Love is if you gut the team around him. No, no, no you can't. Seen, do a, we've seen young quarterbacks play with bad teams, and it, and it it doesn't. What break are you them, gutting? But but you don't you don't learn anything from what are, that. What are you gutting around Jordan Love if you cut Aaron Jones? Like the rest, well, you of said the, everybody. I should have mostly everybody. I think more on the defensive side, because I don't think at this point, looking at the contracts, it makes sense to cut Bakhtiari. I think it makes sense to cut him after next year. Sure. So you'd keep the offensive line would relatively be intact. Okay, that's fine. It would be the running backs, not uh, minus Aaron Jones. You'd have the exact same wide receivers. I'm going to 
guess that you draft tight end and you probably have close to the same tight ends. That's a fun young offense, man. It's Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, give me Darnell Washington. The guys Washington. that you're cutting, the guys that you're cutting and ripping the band-aid off are like the Devondre Campbells, the Rasul Douglas, especially because uh, you're going to be getting, you know, your young cornerback that went down with injury. Like, I think you rip off more on the defensive side where they handed out some of the money. Now, I think you do extend Rashawn Gary. That's going to open up some cap. But I think you probably also cut a Preston Smith and you probably draft an edge rusher. Like, I think I think if I do it, I'm ripping the Band-Aid off. Like, a lot of those guys that have gotten paid the last few years on defense are probably gone. Aaron Jones is probably gone. We're going to try and uh, go through this in the least amount of years as possible. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm, I'm leaning. I, I'm leaning that way. But especially the the one thing that really did it for me is the genuine looks, like that Aaron Jones had. That's like, that's what did it for you. Not watch. Not not. Dude, not when he played Love the play. Eagle, when he played the Eagles, they were Rogers sagging play last year. When they played the Eagles, they were sagging off. They were kicking the Packers' ass. I didn't learn a ton about Jordan Love. Did he make some nice throws? In softer coverage, yeah, there were but some really pinpoint throws. how can really you garner your, your future feelings on what the Packers should do based on a look that Aaron Jones gave in Dude, an interview? we haven't seen much Jordan Love. Like, in all honesty, we got to see a lot more Aaron Rodgers under Brett Favre, and, and Brett Favre was the Iron Man because there was a thing called preseason. They've shortened preseason. COVID took away a preseason and a lot of training camp. And since COVID, a lot of the training camp that they have open is even less. And plus, when Rodgers did come in, it's everyone talks about the Cowboys game. Well, when Jordan Love is, came in, it was, well, the Kansas City game, the Detroit game, and then all of a sudden the Eagles game. All right, I, I, I don't want to do the, the have we learned from Jordan Love or not because it, it, we're only going to figure it out when he plays. But I will say, like we saw how defiant, like Rodgers would not go to the bench last year when clearly like they had a 1% chance to make it. And obviously everything fell right and they got lucky. They had a chance to win against the Lions. Well, what about but this? I, he didn't go to the bench because the guy knew that's that what he's it. No, the guy knew that, you know what? This is the window. I don't know if I'm going to be here next year. This is my window still where we're kind of all in to win a Super Bowl. I'm not going to the bench now. I think you could look at it in different. I know what you're going to say. Well, he knew Jordan Love was breathing down his neck. That could be one, but it also could be, hey, this is we're still in this uh, window where we are going all in and we are trying to win a Super Bowl. This could be my last year. I might retire. Maybe I get traded. Who knows? I'm gutting it out for the rest of the year. This might be the last year I'm a Packer. I think that could be another reason. Sure. I don't think there's one specific reason that you would know for a fact. <laughs> Coming up on Saturday, February 11th, we are going to have UFC 284. So every single time we have a major UFC event, we always get this guy on the horn. And who am I talking about? Dan from Half the Battle Podcast, talking everything UFC. You want to follow him on Twitter? It's at Best Fight, Dan at Best Fight Picks. Dan, good morning. Hey, how's it going, man? You know, it's funny. Uh, I heard the intro music playing. Uh, Beastie Boys were pumping on. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm ready now. Dude, we're always ready on a Friday. It's like the Monday of a big UFC event. I always got to send you a message saying, hey, are you ready to go this Friday? And and it's like instantly you're like, yep, let's do it. <laughs> Real talk, yeah, big facts. 
All right, Dan, let's get right into it. UFC 284 this coming Saturday, going to be in Australia for this one. We got the main headliner. It's, it's, it's Australia's own, a belt holder, Alexander Volkanovsky versus another belt holder, uh, a belt holder at the lightweight position, Islam Makachev. I can't wait for this one. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is literally uh, a super fight, man. I mean, when's the last time you had pound for pound number one versus pound for pound number two? I mean, I, I literally can't think of it. And, you know, I saw Ariel Helwani tweeting that, oh, the UFC is, you know, like misleading people saying that this is pound for, the first time we've had pound for pound number one versus pound for pound number two because when John Jones fought DC in 2015, that was number one versus number two. But Actually, that's factually incorrect because um, at that time, number one and number two were John Jones and Jose Aldo. So this is literally the first time that I can remember that we've had number one versus number two pound for pound in the main event for a belt. And not just for a belt, my man, for pound for pound number one status. Yeah, for everyone out there that's wondering, Islam Makachev is the lightweight 155 belt holder. Alexander Volkanovsky is the featherweight 145 belt holder. He's coming up to fight, obviously, belt on the line. Dan, it's hard for me looking at these odds. Currently, Makachev is the favorite at minus 400. You can get Alexander Volkanovsky at plus 310 on the comeback. It's hard for me to not want to get a little greedy and take the plus 310 with Volkanovski, especially fighting in his homeland of Australia, the land down under. I have seen this guy look like he's been submitted and somehow like come back from the dead like he's the undertaker. I know Makachev is the great wrestler, obviously Dagestani Russian, but man, I feel like Volkanovski's got really good takedown defense. I think he's clearly better on the feet and he's fighting in the home country and I'm getting plus 310. Yeah, I mean, I get your reasoning, man. I mean, you're getting a number like that on the number one top for top fighter on planet Earth. Um, for me, I'm just passing, man, because I can't have money against either guy. Like, I just, like, going to sleep at night having knowing that I bet against Islam Makachev, like, I, I don't think I'd get a good night's sleep and you know, subsequently laying chalk against Volkanovski isn't my cup of tea either. So for me, a fight of this caliber, you just sit back and watch. Um, I, I get where you're coming from again. You got a fantastic number on on uh, Volkanovski. Um, I, I'm just terrified to bet against uh, Mahachev. So, Dan, I don't know about you, but whenever I look at some of these events and maybe I want to wager on them, and then all of a sudden I'm like, ooh, I get to the end and I'm like, I like five big dogs. I get a little nervous. I get a little bit nervous. Yeah, I mean, the good news about that is if you put the exact same amount on those five dogs, you only need two or three of them to win, and and you'll have a winning night. So, you know, long term, I do like the underdog approach. I just personally, um, this this is a very, very hard fight. This is a very hard card to, like, you know, find spots where you're super confident, And, and that's okay. Like, you don't have to go big on every single spot. You're you're allowed to sit back and, you know, wait for better spots. Now, speaking of better spots and and title fights, we also have the co-main event in this one is Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett fighting for a title, but it's, it's, it's a strange title because um, you had, what was it? uh, Volkanovski technically 
uh, vacating his belt. Explain that to the folks. So he's not vacating. It's just more of a thing where, you know, he's moving up a weight class to to challenge for the other belt. So we just don't know when he's going to be back to defend his own belt. So instead of holding up the division, they're putting an interim title on the line. And, I mean, Yair versus Emmett is such a good fight, man. I mean, Yair, one of the most dynamic guys in the history of the sport. I mean, when you talk about, you know, a guy that will do techniques you've seen in a movie, right? You know, spinning kicks, jumping off the fence, the whole bit. That's Yair Rodriguez. And Josh Emmett, you know, he's got that one-hitter, quitter power. He's got the wrestling background, very meat and potatoes, just a tough competitor, a tough out. This is one hell of a fight, man. Yeah, I was looking at this, and I actually have some beef with Yair Rodriguez because I'm 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 sure you can remember this fight. I had the Korean Zombie, and he <laughs> he had out he had outfought Yair Rodriguez the entire fight. Had it wrapped up until they decided on almost like a bro code to get in the middle of the cage and just throw bombs against each other with about ten seconds left. And Yair Rodriguez had about the most unique up elbow that TKO'd the Korean zombie with like two seconds left. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I'm talking about, man. I mean, like as long as there's time left on that clock, this guy is dangerous, you know, and this guy's unpredictable. This guy can literally do things you haven't seen anywhere else. Um, so it's been a pleasure betting on him over the years. Um, it's just that, you know, you have to, you do have to lay some real minus money here and, I mean, I, I like it. It's just uh, on the other side, the guy, the guy is no slouch. I mean, when you talk about the most knockdowns in the history of this division, you talk about Josh Emmett. I mean, this is a guy that, I mean, he can be losing on points and he can knock you unconscious, man, just like he did to Michael Johnson and countless other people. So, yeah, he's got his hands full. Yeah, that's where I was going with that, Dan. I think I would lean with Josh Emmett at the plus 160, and that's where I was telling you, uh, I was starting to find myself liking a lot of big dogs in this event, and that's that only means one thing. It's going to be a really good night or a really bad night. Right, yeah. Well, as long as your money management is on point, um, you know, I, I think uh, things might go your way. Now, looking at the rest of the card, one that kind of stuck out to me was it's lower on the main card, but it's Jimmy Crute versus Alonzo Menafield. These are two guys that someone's getting knocked out in this one. These these are two guys, like you talk about the one-hitter quitter. That is exactly what Menafield has. And Jimmy Crude is pretty darn good himself. Yeah, no no doubt about it. I mean, both these guys, well, Jimmy Crude's still in his 20s. And, you know, he, he's had a, a strong strength of schedule. You know, he's coming off a loss to the current champ, Jamal Hill. And shout out to y'all. You know, last time I was on the show, I... I recommended y'all bet Jamal Hill over Glover Teixeira, so that came through. And, you know, now as you see that loss age nicely for crew, you know, uh, there's no shame in losing to the champ. And Menafield, you know, he switched camps for this one. Um, he's not with uh, Fortis MMA, which is considered one of the best gyms in mixed martial arts, and it's kind of a surprise. You know, I don't know the inside info, so I'd love to find out why he left that gym. But uh, this is another pass. You know, so much firepower on both sides. Uh, I just don't want to get involved, but I, but I do want to get involved as a fan. Now, Dan, looking at this card, obviously for the big UFC events, they always have three cards. You have the early prelims, prelims, and then the main card. Is there anything that you're looking at that you're like, this is one that I really need to get on and bet? 
Yeah, um, I recommend a really good parlay leg this weekend. You know, normally I like to give you all some underdogs, but this uh, card, you know, I, I feel kind of lame giving you all like a minus three something as my <laughs> best bet of the night, but it is what it is. I recommend you parlay this kid, Jack Jenkins, um, making his UFC debut very well-rounded, um, methodical on the feet, could wrestle as well, going to have the home crowd behind him, and he's fighting a guy in Don Shanus who the UFC don't have plans for is being, you know, uh, is being brought in to lose. And, uh, yeah, I'd recommend parlaying Jack Jenkins here. Now, Dan, you said being brought in to lose. He's not in the he's not in the Kraus camp, is he? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is I think he used to be. Now that's but, now that now the Jack Jenkins might be the piece of all pieces if that is true. Then, yeah, um, I think he, I think Shanus used to be in Krause's camp, but it's not even about that for me. That's funny you brought that up. Actually, that's hilarious. Um, it's a uh, I've literally seen Don Shanus prior to him being in the UFC. Like one of my best friends beat him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no joke. Literally, like one of my good friends, his name is Nathan Williams. He was Don Shanus's last loss prior to him coming to the UFC. And, you know, Nate handled him. So when I see my, my own friends out here beating this guy, I'm like, man, I, I can imagine what's going to happen when he gets to the UFC. And now he is in the UFC, and uh, I'm taking full advantage. Now, sp- speak to this, Dan, just, just from a handicapping perspective, because I know a lot of casual listeners, when you go, yeah, you got to make sure you bet Jack Jenkins, they look at that and they say, oh, minus 360, that's a pretty hefty price. But I look at UFC kind of like I look at golf. I-, I call it more of like a soft sport. And by soft, I mean not a lot of the public likes to wager on it or understands it, where everybody loves to bet, you know, Kansas City plus one against the Eagles. Everyone is betting that I, uh, they're soft because not as many people actually throw down on UFC and golf, but in the UFC, you can still find a ton of value on a guy that's minus three sixty. If again, the guy that he's fighting is losing to regional fighters. The guy that he is fighting is brought in to basically lose to hype up this. Like clearly minus three sixty could be value in UFC because you can see, heck, I think we saw Valashenko be favored like minus a thousand in a fight. Yeah. I mean, listen, a mismatch is a mismatch, right? And, um, that's why I said, go ahead and parlay this. So, you know, you got your Super Bowl options and whatever you guys feel is best do it. But, uh, Jack Jenkins is a good parlay like here. And now 100%. before, now before I let you go, Dan, appreciate you, Dan from best, uh, Dan, from Half the Battle Podcast, you can find him on Twitter at Dan Best Fight Picks. Um, before I let you go, Dan, anything else you're looking at and you're like, yeah, this is probably worth the wager? Uh, possibly Randy Brown. You know, he's plus 250, plus 260. He's fighting a really good kid in Jack Dill and Madalena. Um, it's just more so of a thing where Madalena hasn't quite been proven yet. Um, I mean, I think the kid's very, very good. It's just more of you know, betting the number. Um, you get a number like that on a guy like Randy Brown, who is solid, who has paid his dues, and I can see, uh, you know, a small stab there for sure. Well, Dan, I appreciate you joining us. We have just everything going on this weekend. We have the Super Bowl. We have UFC 284. We have the Waste Management Open. You got college and NBA basketball going on. Appreciate you giving us the time before a big UFC event. Uh, can't wait to have you on for UFC 285. 
Oh, man, thanks again for having me. Um, oh, yeah, and I and, uh, hope you all really enjoy y'all's new catcher, William Contreras, man. I was telling y'all last time, you know, he's going to add a nice little spirit to the Brewers. So thanks again for having me, and take care of my boy, Wild Bill. <laughs> the biggest thing that I – real quick, Dan, the biggest thing that I noticed about him, he has very unique eyebrows. Yeah, I mean, everything's unique about this guy. His his stance, his eyebrows, his swag. I mean, get ready when this guy hits a home run. It's going to be a celebration, man. It's gonna he's going to bring a nice little energy to your city. Well, I pre I appreciate the kind words. Hopefully, we can do more business with you and the Braves like that in in the future. But yes, thanks, Dan, for joining us, breaking down UFC two eighty four. We'll talk to you for two eighty five. Thanks for having me, brother. Y'all take care. All right. Yep. And there he is. That's our guy, Dan. Again, at Best Fight Picks on Twitter. You can also find him uh, Half the Battle Podcast. I actually recommend it. The dude was on a complete heater for the year of 2022.